Proverbs 18, 20 says this. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, do. Lord, what I can't do. Lord, change and transform the lives of the people who hear your word this morning. God, change us and make us into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love country people, don't you? I love that I was born and raised in the South because it's an experience you just don't get in other parts of the country. I mean, Southerners just have a different way of doing things, don't we? Uh-huh. Here's some signs that, that you maybe, maybe a Southerner. Okay, somebody says the word snow, and you go buy all the bread and milk, <laughs> right? You wave at every car that passes you in your neighborhood, right? Because in the South, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet, right? Uh-huh. Here, here's another sign. You consider unsweet tea a crime against humanity. All of these are good warning signs, but if you really want to know if somebody's Southern, just listen to the way they talk. Do me a favor. Come on, look at somebody and say, hey, y'all. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Southern folks have their own special vocabulary. They might call a shopping cart a buggy. Right? They use words like reckon and yonder. I reckon that's a buggy over yonder. <laughs> My grandma used to say this, I swanee. I don't even know what that means, but I love it. <laughs> and perhaps the most famous Southern expression has got to be this. Anybody want to guess? Bless. Bless your heart. This is the most useful. It's like the Swiss Army knife of Southern expressions because it can be kind. It can be an insult, right? <laughs> Bless your heart. Or Bless your heart. <laughs> Oh, you're a Duke fan? Bless your heart. <laughs> In the South, we have creative ways to express ourselves. We don't say, that's a bad idea. We say, mm, that dog won't hunt. We would never say, that guy's not very bright. No, we would have to southernize it, right? He's not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? The wheel's spinning, but the hamster's missing. You know what I mean? <laughs> If brains were leather, he couldn't saddle a June bug. <laughs> He's about as sharp as a mashed potato. We talk differently. You wouldn't say I'm having a, a bad hair day. You, you got to get descriptive with it. You, my hair looks like a cat's been sucking on it, right? <laughs> and we would never call somebody ugly. Oh, no, sir, we would never. We would never do that. But I tell you, she'd make a freight train take a dirt road. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's got 10-foot pole marks all over her, but I, I would never call her ugly, no, sir. We don't say stuff like I ran out of money. We might say, uh, honey, I'm so broke, if a trip around the world cost a dollar, I couldn't get to the state line. I, I gave a southerner some bad news, or some, actually some good news one time, and they said, you know what they said to me? Gave this lady some good news. She said, well, butter my butt, call me a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, that's great would have satisfied, but whatever, right? I can tell you're Southern by the way you talk. We, we wouldn't say somebody's useless, right? We'd say he's about as useful as a screen door on a submarine or an ashtray on a motorcycle, right? Uh, uh-huh. I, I think about it. I can tell you're Southern by the way you talk. In the same way, when you follow Jesus, it affects your vocabulary. Oh, can I get an Amen. Uh Uh-huh. Come on, y'all. Your words have power, and when Jesus is in your heart, it affects the way you speak. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. A friend of mine one time came up to me and said, hey, man, I wrote a rap song about Proverbs 18, 21. I said, Lord, have mercy. You, you know, you just have these friends, they have these crazy personalities, and they want to tell you something, you're like, just get it over with, <laughs> right? Okay, uh, let me hear it, okay? He said, he said, okay, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. I said, man, that's the worst rap song I've ever heard in my life. Do not quit your day job. But then my second thought was, that might be a good way to remember Proverbs 18.21. So next Sunday, maybe we'll throw a little rap in, praise the worship. I don't know. Probably not. But I hope that you remember that verse, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Okay? It's a powerful statement. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can talk in a way that is life-giving, and you can talk in a way that is incredibly life-destroying. And as Christians, as the people of God, we ought to be speaking life. Okay, words are like weapons. Words are like guns. When used the right way, they can save lives. When used the wrong way, they can destroy lives. When you say whatever you want without thinking or controlling your tongue, it's like waving a handgun around in public. That is never a good idea. I read an article about a park ranger who was being chased by a bear. Now, listen, if I was being chased by a bear, number one, I hope I'd have a friend who runs slower than me. (laughs) But two, I would hope that I would have uh, just a massive weapon. Like, I I don't want a BB gun. I want a bazooka, right? Like, I want overkill. I want to shoot that bear and it explode and there be no trace that there ever was such bear. You know what I mean? But this park ranger was being charged by a bear, and all he had was a 380 pistol. Now, for those of you who are familiar with firearms, that is not a big gun. That is a small caliber pistol. And do you know that park ranger shot and killed that bear with the 380? It was very, very small, and it doesn't seem impressive, but when used correctly, it can pack a punch. Your words are the same way. For good or for bad, they pack a punch. That's why we're in a series called Power Control. And these first few weeks, they're broad overviews of the power of the tongue. And starting next week, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of right talking. We're going to look at gossip and complaining and bitterness and angry words. You know, all the stuff that everybody who wasn't at church today needed to hear. 
And we're going to look at how we can speak life instead of death. But today I want to focus on how your words influence the direction of your life, how they influence you. Number one, okay, this is my first point. Three ways your words have power. Number one, power for direction. Okay, your declaration determines your direction. Okay, your declaration determines your direction. In the 1932 World Series at Wrigley Field, Babe Ruth was at bat, and he did something nobody was expecting. He pointed up to the flagpole at center field. And you know what he did? He hit a home run right to where he pointed. He called his shot. And here's the thing. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. But your words have the power. Just like Babe Ruth got up and called his shot, your words have the power to influence the direction of your life. I don't say that. The Bible says that. James chapter 3 says this. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. So he talks about how little things can have big impacts. A small bridle turns the whole horse. A, a little rudder controls the whole ship in the same direction. Your mouth and your talking influences the direction of your entire life. Mm -hmm. It's one of the smallest parts of the body that can impact the entire direction of your living. In other words, your walking follows your talking. Well, that was good. Tell somebody that. Come on, tell somebody. Your walking follows your talking. Come on, tell somebody else. Your walking follows your talking. Oh, come on, tell the third person so I can drink a little more water. Your walking follows your talking. When I was in my second year of college, I met with my academic advisor, and he said, you've got to declare a major. He said, everything that happens from here forward depends on what you declare. Every course you take, your graduation day, your degree, <laughs> career opportunities, it all hinges on what you declare as your major. So I declared a double major in Spanish and political science because I one day wanted to be the president of Mexico. <laughs> Not there yet. But he told me, he said, what you declare determines the direction of everything that happens after this point. And it's the same way with your words. Just as declaring it a major determines the course of your study, the things that you declare, the things that you say, your vocabulary affects the course of your life. Declaration determines direction. For an example, if you're always going around saying, I'll never make it, I'm no good, I'll never amount to anything, you'll eventually live up to that. Because your walking follows your talking. If you continually declare those things, that's the direction your life is going to follow. Remember, James said that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Uh-huh. If you want to change the course of your life, you got to change the way you talk. 
Come on, how many of you want to do God's will in your life? Anybody? Okay, uh-huh. When you talk negative and you speak doubt and defeat, you're working against God. When you say negative things and talk down about yourself, you're contradicting what God says about you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So stop arguing with God by talking down about yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. Again, how many of you say, I don't want to argue with God? Anybody? Come on. I know who's going to win that argument. So I, I'm not going to argue with God. So let me read that verse again. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. So stop arguing with God and working against him in your life. Let his word be in your mouth. Words have power. Number one, power for direction. Number two, power for life. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know what that means? Your mouth will tell on you. And if your mouth doesn't tell on you, your kids will tell on you in kids' church in the form of a prayer request. <laughs> Pray for my mama. She said some words to people in traffic last week. That's a hypothetical, not real. Legal disclaimer. All right. Come on. Your mouth will tell on you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you talking God's word or just gossip? Are you talking life or death? Are you talking victory or defeat? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you want to speak life, you got to have the word of God in your heart. Come on, somebody say word of, God. word of God. Come on, not the word of man, the word of God. Can I say that again? The word of God? Come on, say it, word of God. Okay, this is where people go off the rails and fall into false teaching because the word of man does not hold the power that the word of God holds. That's why the Bible says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. Jesus said as he prayed to the Father, thy word is truth. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's not my words, it's God's words. Real power and real life comes when what you say lines up with what God says. In other words, you've got to go to the source. Because you can't get a Big Mac at Burger King. That was deep right there, wasn't it? <laughs> you can't just decide that you want something and speak it into the ether and expect it to come to pass. You've got to speak what the Word of God says because those are the words that have power. Go to the source. If you want to speak words of life, you got to go to the source of life. In John chapter 6, Jesus had a church split. Now, can you imagine going to church and Jesus is the pastor? And people got mad and left. 
If people walk out of your life, don't be surprised because they did it to Jesus. Jesus was preaching, and he was preaching hard, and people got upset, and they left. So Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said in John 6, verse 67, he said to the 12, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You want your words to have power and authority? Find out what the word of God says and let your words line up with his word. There is power in the word of God. God said in Isaiah 55 and 11, my word will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I sent it to do. Numbers, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? There is power when you declare the word of God. Did you know that your salvation is connected to what you say? Romans 10, 8, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What is the word of faith? Look at the next verse. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the confession is made unto salvation. What is the word of faith is believing and declaring that Jesus is who he said he is. Now, here's where people get it wrong. Faith is not telling God what to do. God is not a genie in a bottle. My wish is your command. His wish better be our command. Faith is not telling what God to do, telling God what to do, but faith is taking God at his word. Come on, there's a difference between just our words and God's words. Okay, now can you hear me now? Lift your hands. Uh, what's the difference? Power. God's word in our mouth produces power and it produces life. There is power and authority in the word of God. When you declare the word of God over your life, you're speaking with creative power. How did God create the world? He spoke. Bible doesn't say he formed light with his hands. He said, let there be light. There's one thing he formed with his hands, and that's us. Because we're special in the eyes of God. Humanity matters to God, all of humanity. But God spoke the world into being, and that's the kind of power that we have access to when we put the word of God in our heart. We're plugging into creative power. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. When you come into agreement with what God says, you are tapping into power far greater than anything you could ever imagine. When you declare the word of God, you are arming yourself against the attacks of the enemy. You know what sickness is? It's an attack from the enemy. Jesus said, I'm come down from heaven to do not my will, but the will of him who sent me. That means that everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did on the earth was the perfect will of God. And you know what Jesus went about doing? Healing all who are oppressed of the devil. 
Jesus never went to anybody who was sick and said, this is God's will. I'm going to leave you sick. Not one time. He healed everybody. Healing is the will of God. Sickness is not from God. It is from the enemy. That's why God said in Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I think about a powerful testimony many, many years ago. Amber and I knew, knew a lady we grew up in church with. She was diagnosed with leukemia. It's a wonderful, amazing miracle of God. When she got the diagnosis, she said, I'm standing Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes. I am healed. You know what she did? She put God's word in her heart and let it be in her mouth continually. By his stripes, I am healed. Then she quoted Psalm 118, 17. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. The worse her health got, the more she stood on the promises of God. Even though her body was getting weaker, her faith was getting stronger because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means you don't just hear scripture one time. Oh, I've got it done. No, you need to continually hear the scriptures. You need to continually hear the word of God. You need to let the word of God be in your mouth all day or a day. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you declare the word of God over your life, your faith will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's, it's amazing what happened. I remember being at home and getting the phone call that the doctors gave her just a few hours to live. She was in hospice and they gave her the medication. They said if, if she doesn't die from the leukemia, she'll probably die from the pain medicine. She was in church the next Sunday. When they went in there expecting her to die her dying breath, she whispered, by his stripes, I am. She started getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and she walked out of that hospital room. There is power when we stand on the promises of God. There is power when, when we do This stuff is real, y'all. There is power when we declare the word of God. Now, I think about my grandmother's testimony. When she found out that she had cancer that, was, that had spread from her brain down to her lungs, you know what she said? She said, if I live or if I die, either way, I win. Even when she was facing certain deaths, she said, you know what? I don't have to be afraid because I've got the word of God in my heart, and it is going to be on my lips till my dying breath. Church, we have victory no matter what we face. No matter where this life takes us, we have victory in Jesus. You've got to have the word of God in your heart, and you've got to let it be on your lips and let it affect the course of your life. What are you declaring in your life? What are you speaking? Listen, faith is not denying your problems. I grew up in a church where if I told somebody I had a headache, they immediately would say, don't claim that. Don't go to my head hurts. Faith is not denying the problem. Faith is acknowledging that our God is greater than the problem. Come on. I know some people who the diagnosis becomes their identity. 
That's also a very southern thing. To talk to a stranger in line at the grocery store and give them your whole medical history. <laughs> oh, arthritis has been acting up today. And you tell them when you got diagnosed with arthritis, and you tell them everywhere you have arthritis, and you tell them the history of every injection you've ever had, you tell them every doctor you've ever seen, and you don't like those doctors, and you're going to go see this new doctor because of them other doctors messed you up. <laughs> you can name 500 facts about arthritis, but you can't tell me two scriptures on healing. If this mic won't so expensive, I'd drop it. <laughs> Where's the praise team mic? I'm going to drop one of their mics. <laughs> Don't let your dysfunction become your identity. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. What does God say about it? Instead of talking about how big your problem is, start talking about how great your God is. Yeah. Amen. I don't know about you, I refuse to be the devil's evangelist. I refuse to walk around telling everybody, giving them every reason why it's not going to happen in my life, why it's impossible, why I'm not going to make it, why I'm not going to be healed, why I'm not going to recover, why I'm never going to live a better life, why I'm not going to fulfill God's calling on my life. The devil's evangelist, ah, baby, not going to be me. Who were the two spies who said we could make it in the land? Joshua and Caleb. What were the names of the other ten? Who cares? <laughs> if you want to be forgotten, be negative. If you want to be remembered and leave a legacy, be people of faith who say we are more than able to do what God says we can do. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Our words have power for direction, power for life, and power for victory. Power for victory. Are you pointing at center field when you get up to bat? Because most people are pointing back at the dugout. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm probably going to strike out. You know what Babe Ruth pointed at center field? Because for the whole game, the Chicago Cubs had been taunting him and riding him. And he got so mad that he got bold. Some of y'all, the devil has been riding you and taunting you and harassing you long enough. It's time for you to make a stand. It's time for you to get bold, to come a step up to the plate. And point at center field and say, my marriage is going to make it. My kids are going to serve God. My God's going to supply every one of my needs according to his riches and glory. I don't care what the boss says. I don't care what the company's doing. I don't care what the economy's doing. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the governor's house on the city council. It doesn't matter because I'm part of God's economy. Some of y'all just need to get ticked off and start smack-talking the devil. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Our words have power for victory. What did David do when he faced Goliath? 
started talking junk to him. You come to me with the spirit of sword. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And I'm going to cut your cotton-picking head off. <laughs> David declared victory before he even threw the stone. What you say matters. What are you declaring? What are you speaking in your life? Anybody know when our Independence Day is in the United States? Anybody know? July the what? Two of you got it. The rest of you need to go back to school with your kids. Amen. <laughs> we celebrate July 4th as our Independence Day. But the Revolutionary War did not end on July 4th. It started on July 4th. We were not an independent nation until September 3rd, 1783, when the Treaty of Paris was signed. We don't look at our day of freedom from the day the war ended. We look at it from the day we declared we are free. We don't trace our victory to the end of the war. We trace it to the declaration. So let me ask you, what are you declaring today? It's time to start a war this morning in the spiritual realm. Somebody needs to declare their independence and say, I'm free. No more, devil. I've had enough. From this day forward, I'm declaring my independence. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say we are more than able to take the land. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm tired of walking in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. Will you stand this morning as we pray? Lord, I just thank you, Father, for today. Lord, I thank you for this word. Lord, right now, I declare our independence, Father. Lord, I thank you right now, Father, for independence, Father, from drugs and alcohol, independence from bondage, independence from the past, independence in our marriage, where the enemy has tried to come in and bring division. Lord, I thank you for unity coming together and freedom from the enemy's snarl. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that right now, Father, for just complete independence. Lord, I thank you that your people are getting a hold of what it is to be independent from the enemy, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father, for independence in our minds, where the enemy has tried to come in and bring fear and doubt and all kind of havoc. Lord, this morning, I thank you for freedom in our minds. Lord, I thank you, Father, for freedom. Lord, I just thank you for just touching our families right now. Lord, I thank you that we're taking back our families where the enemy has tried to come in and bring division between husband and wife and kids. Lord, I thank you, Father, for just healing. Lord, right now, I proclaim healing right now over the family unit. Lord, I thank you, Father, for just peace in the family unit. Where there may be toxic relationship, Lord, I thank you for deliverance from that. Lord, I thank you for freedom in that. Lord, I thank you for healing in that unit, Lord. Where kids have walked away from church, God, I thank you that they're coming back home. God, I thank you that you're bringing them back home to how they were raised, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for being with those parents right now who have grown weary and fighting that good fight. Lord, I thank you this morning that they are just grabbing a hold of what your word says. And Lord, that they begin to speak over their children words of encouragement, 
words of power. God, that they take back their kids, Father, and where they may have spoken doubt, Lord, I thank you that their words begin to reverse and that they speak positive, that they speak hope, that they speak strength into those kids, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father, that our words have power. And this morning, where any of us may have fallen short of using those words for your glory, God, that this morning we turn our words around, Father, and we pick up your word and we begin to speak life into those situations, into those people, into our health, into our finances. We speak life into our marriage, into our job, into our kids into the church, into our relationships, Father. Lord, that we get a hold of what your word says and we speak life into that. And Lord, where we may have grown weary and our heart is heavy and laden, Father, Lord, I pray right now for the spirit of strength to rise up into your people. God, we declare war right now on the enemy. Everything that the enemy has tried to take from us, we declare war right now, Father. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for just the spirit of winning to fall upon your people. That this spirit of we've lost the battle, that it is gone in the name of Jesus. But that that warrior spirit rise up and that it storms hell with a squirt gun this morning, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father God, for victorious thinking, Lord, not defeat, but that we are victorious in you, Father. And Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, let us get a hold of what your word says, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, and that everything that we set our hands to, that you bless it, Father. God, that you bless it. God, that there's healing in your name. God, that may we speak the name of Jesus and healing be there. God, let faith arise this morning where people have grown weary and they've lost sight of the power in the name of Jesus. God, let this morning faith arise like it hasn't in a long time. God, let it arise right now into those situations that seem that are death. God, may we speak life into them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you for the power in your name. And Lord, we praise you and we give you glory and we thank you for that power that you have given us in your death, Father. And we praise you and we give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you that you conquered death. And in that death that we can live. You know, this morning, if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity to make him number one. Not be last, not be in the middle, but to make him number one. Jesus needs to be number one in all of our lives. Because when we spend the time with Jesus, you'll begin to see that you speak less and less death. Because you've been in his presence, you can't speak death. You can only speak life because you've been in the presence of Jesus. And this morning, if you say, 
I've fallen away. I'm not where I need to be. Or maybe you just haven't never been where you needed to be. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And it's so simple. You just have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth. And he's the Lord of your life. We make serving Jesus so hard and so complicated. He said, just come to me the way that you are. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your life planned out. Just come this way. Just how you are today. So this morning, if you want to say this prayer after me, I'm going to ask everybody repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give God some celebration? Can we declare our independence today? Can we speak to those situations? What this song is saying? Oh
I'm going to ask our prayer team come down to the front. If you want prayer, I want you to come down and we want to pray and we want to agree with you. Don't forget to fill out your red cards. This is our way of connecting with you. There's black boxes on the way out. You'll just drop those in there for us. We will pray over your prayer request and pray over you. Church, have a phenomenal week. And don't forget, your words have power. We'll see you Wednesday night for Bible study.